Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for Seminole Headlines, featuring Warchant.com's Jeff Cameron, Managing Editor Ira Chauffel, and Senior Writer Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, Pistols and Pies, starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. These Seminole Headlines, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV begins right freaking now. Good to have you on board, everybody. Good to be with you, of course. Come on in here. Let's gather around, have ourselves a little conversation, shall we? I'm Jeff. That is Ira and Corey today. He's in Chicago vacationing with his family. So I hope he's having fun in good old Chi-Town. I like Chicago. I've seen the picture so far. Looks like they're having a good time. Uh, And you guys are joining us via 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV. So if you're watching on Warchant TV, make sure you like and subscribe as always. All right, boys, we've got a lot to catch up on. We had the press conference yesterday with Link Jarrett. We've got the news today of the scheduling partners for the next four years for Florida State uh, out of the ACC. I think we're going to want to begin with that. Obviously, next hour, we'll get the headliner questions, of course, as there have been an ample response to your call, Ira, that uh, everybody jump on board. This hour brought to you by Register Sausage, as always. Yay, sausage! Take it away, Ira. So, uh, yeah, here's a couple things about the registers. One is uh, we've got the promo code going. Ben stepped up in a big way once he heard about Link. You know, look, man, there could not be a more natural connection. The last guy we meet was okay, but Link, Link is a promo code for Register Sausage is the way to go. So I think it's 22% off if you order your Register Sausage from registermeats.com. It's 22% off and free delivery. And I think he, he launched the promo code on Friday when Link Jarrett was hired as the head baseball coach, and I think it'll go till this Friday, so it runs for a week. Get your registered sausage. Man, they got five of a cornucopia of varieties. We uh, at the, the Showfell uh, State, we were just having some of the jalapeno cheddar, uh, which is delicious, and uh, can't recommend it enough. And the other thing I want to mention real quick before you guys share any of your sausage uh, love uh, stories, um, I was talking to Ben a little bit, and I was like, man, okay, so we, we're taking over the southeast. Like what? What's the next step? And uh, he just said, "Man, they're uh, they're you know look." It, he just wanted me to remind some friends, and I and I, I'm here to remind you: if you go into your local grocery store, if you go to your local Publix, and especially in the southeast, and if they don't carry a registered sausage, you need to let them know because they often will respond to those requests. So if you know you hear us talking about registered sausage, if you go up and down your aisles and you don't want to order it from from the website and you don't see it. Just politely, we no violence, no threats, no screaming. Just politely say, hey, I would like some registered sausage to taste what the guys have been talking about. 
And uh, that would help him out because then those people will pass those requests up the line. Well, now that Ira's done talking, I can share more of my sausage love for yes. everybody else out there and get yes. that out there. Yeah. <laughs> so what I, would, what I would tell you is if you're listening to this here program, Seminole Headlines, that is, and say you're in, I don't know, Syracuse, New York, and you desperately would love some sausage, tell the folks. Yeah. Get out there and let people know you need some sausage. Register sausage. Maybe when you're on a Florida State road trip to Syracuse. Perhaps. Which is going to be happening uh, quite frequently now. Yeah. It's such a natural rivalry. It's going to be so much fun. It'll be great. It'll be great. Hey, so it is. We'll get to that momentarily. Tom is filling in for Corey. I should make mention of that. He can wave to everybody. We're doing that. Again, uh, we're all in our respective abodes for now. I don't want to get those guys sick. I'm at the end of this. I feel good. I was doing push-ups this morning before they were even awake. I'm kidding. Um, but I am feeling better. I am I am uh, up and moving about, and so things things are well. We'll be back in studio, I do believe, uh, tomorrow. I have, I have exercised the demons, COVID, and I feel better. That's good. Yeah, and something for uh, folks on Warchan TV who are excited about an in-studio show. You can get even more excited because tomorrow at 1.30, 1.30 on the Is show, that when we're doing it? Link Jarrett will be on the program. Yep. Thanks well, for that's good news. making that happen. So that's very good. Thanks, Ira, too, for setting it up. You know, by the way, Ira, I think um, – now, I pointed this out to Tom after the press conference, uh, and, and I loved the uh, tenor of that press conference. I loved his demeanor. I loved uh, the deliberate nature with which he spoke. Uh, I liked the way that he carefully thought through what it was he wanted to say, and I liked that he's a man uh, that does not mince words. I like that he's a man that does not use filler excessively so we're gonna have a guy that's succinct and that's good but that doesn't always make for great interviews luckily i know a lot of people that are friends with link of course he's from here i know his former coaches i know many people that he played with i've got to find an anecdote somewhere out there to make him smile tomorrow because it wasn't a smile yesterday and my goal on the jcs interview for tomorrow is to at least get him to crack a smile at some point. I mean, he's coaching his alma mater. He's coaching the place that he made his name. He's coaching the place from which he's from. I'd like to see him smile a little bit. That's got to be a weird, like a, a balance, right? Because, you know, you get the job and you and the excitement, you know, like you said, he grew up here. He's wanted this job for a long time. He even mentioned he, growing up, he thought about, hey, one, maybe one day I could be Florida State's head baseball coach. Um so this has been something I, you know the emotions are so high, but at the same time, I think he also res has great respect for what it means, and so that's a big part of it too. Like you don't want to come in. Look, I mean, there was a football coach that was hired here a few years ago that did a whole lot of smiling, and was on top of the world, and we were excited. People were excited because he was excited. Hey, look, look how happy he is yeah. to be Florida State's head football coach, and then the games happened. So I think that's got to be a tough balance for especially anybody that he's not coming here as a mercenary, to your point. You know, he, it's not like this is an emotionless job where he's just coming in to do a job. It means a lot to him. I just don't know when he's going to feel comfortable showing that. Yeah, I think he also, like you're pointing out here, he, he wanted to show the proper measure of respect uh, for the people that preceded him uh, and the people that influenced him. He also, I think, is probably naturally uh, intense, obviously. He's got a focus to him that I really, really do embrace, and I think players will too. Um, and, yeah, Garrett, you're right. I, that's kind of what I was alluding to there when I, when I set that up, talking to Ira about Link, is that he, 
he thinks before he speaks. Yes, he's very careful. Words mean things. Uh, we have a lot of people in positions of power who frequently say things that mean nothing. So it's nice and well, refreshing. He, he, and he also probably the other delicate balance was the Martin situation. Correct. Um, you know, so he's that's back, yes. that's part of that as well. I mean, this is he called Mike Martin Senior the greatest coach of college baseball history and how revered and how much it meant to play for him. He called Mike Martin Jr. one of his you know closest friends from when his playing days. And now he's taking one of their jobs and, uh, you know, taking basically and, and the father has to watch somebody else take his son's job. So that that part of it had to be delicate, too. Yeah, I think one thing that's important there is I think he was sending a message, Ira, not only to uh, the people that were in attendance, but any money people, any boosters. There will be no snide remarks about the previous regime. Like he was, he was drawing a line there that says, "Look, if you want to rip on things and, and what wasn't working before, don't do that with me." Because that Mike Martin Jr. is a was a friend, was a roommate, and he will he will still remain a good friend. So I thought that was actually nicely done on his part. It was a passive warning that, "Hey, this may be my job, but I'm here to repair some things that are broken. But don't you be getting you know uh, familiar with me because that's my friend that I'm replacing." And I think that's a very rare thing when you watch jobs and, and how the transfer of power occurs. Very rarely is it a case where the guy taking the place of the previous leader, in this case coach, uh, are friends, knew each other, go way back to when they were in high school and even beyond. Uh, that's, that's difficult. I, I'm sure even if they're not extremely close any longer, and I don't know that to be the case, but even if they're not, you still have those uh, the binds that go back a long time ago. And, uh, and, and certainly you want to be respectful of that. At the same time, you're embracing the opportunity of a lifetime and one you've always dreamt of. And so it would be hard not to be impossibly giddy. But I, I do like that he got to the heart of the matter regarding uh, wanting to win a national championship. Everybody knows that's what's missing from the treasure case, if you will, um, the trophy case. Uh, and and I, I think that the first thing he has to do, obviously, is is kind of gauge that locker room. He sent messages yesterday from the dais uh, about talking with them and others that will be coming in. I think probably, and I, I don't know if you took this away from it, seems to me that he's pretty impressed with the incoming players, that he's excited about some of the guys that have already committed to Florida State. You know, we can be critical in the media, certainly, uh, and fairly so, I think, of the job that Mike Martin Jr. did, but recruiting wasn't the issue. No, and especially, you know, I think Mike Metcalf was a great addition to the staff. And, you know, we don't know officially what his status will be going forward. Sounds like there's probably going to be a, a wholesale changes um, on that assistant staff. But, um, you know, I think Mike Metcalf had a ton of connections, was really good in terms of evaluating because his days as a scout with the Giants. So uh, they were in with a lot of kids. And that's the thing, the tricky part of this with baseball recruiting is so much of it's done. We talk about how football recruiting is done in advance or maybe basketball where it's a year or two. But baseball kids, man, they commit four years ago. Kids that are coming in now or next season committed three, four, five years ago. They're offering like seventh graders and eighth graders. So that process, you know, it's not like you can just, you know, hey, I'm a new coaching staff and I'm going to go find a bunch of new guys. They really need, he needs a lot of those kids um, to come in because, you know, that's the bulk of their class. Uh, Mark has contributed to our efforts here today, so we want to acknowledge you, Mark, and say thank you for that. A donation for cocktails for the three of us on the flights to Syracuse. Yeah, that's the other bit of news. It's an effortless uh, transition, thanks to you, Mark, that we point to that uh, Florida State is aligned with Clemson. Okay, that stands to reason. Miami, okay, that too. You were never going to get rid of that. And Syracuse. So, 
you know, I don't know what to say about that other than you want one of the lesser than schools to be the third in this party. Obviously, you don't want another elite level or potentially elite level program to be the team that you have to play uh, as a standard opponent each of the following four years. You'd rather that be uh, somebody like Syracuse. But, you know, there's another middling program right down the road they could have chosen that I think a lot of people are wondering about right about now, and that would be Georgia Tech. Do we have any insight as to why the opponents were chosen the way that they were, and in this case specifically Syracuse, Ira? Well, I think the big thing to remember is this is a it's a it's a conference, you know, with with 14 schools that they have to figure out uh, how to make it work for everybody. So that's part of it. Um, you know, if if Georgia Tech, for example, I think their other opponents are Clemson. Maybe Tom, if you get a chance, if you could pull it up, we'll pull Georgia, all these up. But Georgia Tech, um, I think they two of their opponents are also um, very good. So I think adding Florida State is their third might have been difficult. They may not have been thrilled about that. I also think, to your point, from Florida State's standpoint, you already play Florida non-conference every year. In the next decade, you're playing LSU two games. You're playing Alabama two games. You're playing Georgia two games. Do you really want three of your permanent games to be Clemson, Miami, and another really good team? So then it becomes, okay, so it's got to be somebody that's not as strong, and that limits it. And then, uh, well, in the ACC, it doesn't limit it all that much. So Georgia Tech's got Clemson, Louisville, and Wake. I think Georgia Tech might not have been thrilled about Clemson, Louisville, and Florida State um, as their three permanents, um, although Wake Forest obviously has been really good. But um, So that's part of it. But I think the other thing is, you know, from, from a standpoint of a lot of people dismiss Georgia Tech as like, okay, that's an easy opponent, and it is right now. But of the two, who would you think is more likely to be an easy opponent in any given year down the road, I think it is Syracuse. I think Georgia Tech, there's a chance Georgia Tech can get rolling much more than it could be Syracuse, just because of the population base and the talent in that area. So while it would be good to be able to go there, and I know the fans want it, I get that the fans want it, but I don't know that if, I, if I'm looking at it from a standpoint of I don't want to play another you know really difficult opponent for sure every year, I could see Syracuse being attractive. I know the fans don't like it, but I could see that being attractive from a school standpoint. I think most people believe it should have been Duke, Georgia Tech, and Syracuse. Is it three? Uh, it's the logical three for Florida State to face, and I think it's a travesty that we won't be facing Duke annually along with perhaps Wake, well, not Wake, but long-term Georgia Tech and uh, Syracuse. That would have been ideal. Or Boston College. I could see either way. They all make the same amount of sense. But like Gene, Gene and I have had this argument. Gene thinks that Georgia Tech's no less of a challenge theoretically down the road than Syracuse is. I don't know, man. I think I think I think Georgia Tech could get good. I think George, George, like when Georgia Leary was there, man, they were good. That was a tough game every year. When when uh, Paul Paul Johnson was there, they got good. I mean, and, and playing that style of football, which was not fun to play. So, man, to me, if I want if I want somebody I can beat. Every year, give me Syracuse. From this conference, give me Syracuse. I, I, they'd be number one on my list. Duke would be number one on my list, but I agree. I, I agree Duke or you. Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah, Duke or Syracuse seems to be logical. Look, at the end of the day, uh, you don't want to run from anybody. Florida State is already going to have a difficult schedule moving forward. We've already documented that. You're going to be you're going to play Clemson there in your division. Uh, at the same time, well, there's no division, but you know what I mean. You're going to play Clemson because there's no way ESPN is not going to let you play Clemson. So you're going to have that. And that's the other part of this that I wanted to bring in here. 
you know, how much influence did Disney have on this? I mean, you got you got to believe that they're looking at this as well as partners. Remember that conversation and talking point when you were at Amelia Island, right? Our, our partners at ESPN, Disney, they they are going to have a say in this matter too, don't you think? Oh, 100%. And, and yeah, there's no doubt that they do. And, you know, not, here's the other part of it that we none of us really can speak to authoritatively. We all laugh at the idea of the Syracuse television market. Because how many people in New York are actually watching television, watching F- Syracuse football games? But I do know that that's still the idea of playing in New York is appealing to a lot of people at Florida State. And I don't know if it's, that's the TV side talking or if that's just um, you know Florida State feeling like at some point down the road that exposure would be good in the Northeast. I don't know. I can't. I'm not saying I valid uh, believe in that, but I think that is something that they consider. But I don't know. It could be from the TV side and, and how many. You know, they got on these co- these cable networks in the Northeast. Maybe they need to get Florida State on them more often. I you know I don't know about that part of it. Seminole headlines ninety three three Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV continues in a moment. Hey, headliners and elite headliners, it's Ira here, and it's time to talk Shopify. As you remember, a couple of years ago, we wanted to create and sell headlines merch for the best podcast listeners in the world. That's you, but we had no idea where to get started. Now we're selling Yay Sausage shirts and it's so easy, all because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're a startup working out of your man cave or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to grow your business without all the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. You could be selling Don Julio socks from Shopify's in-person point of sale system We're offering headliner shirts from Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. Whatever you need, you're covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love most about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase, and they'll help you grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Go to shopify.com slash warchant. Seminal Headlines returns now. Head to YouTube and search for War Chant TV today to catch the show live or on demand. Now, here's Jeff Cameron, Ira Chofel, and Corey Clark. Should make mention that there are some other aspects to the scheduling situation that we should clarify. And I, I want to ask you specifically, Ira, I know you were there at the meetings over there uh, in, in, at Amelia Island. And I, I wonder, I'm just going to pick your brain here. When this was discussed... Uh, was this a, a situation where we're going to revisit it in a few years, four years, five years? I had read somewhere along the way, it's stuck in my brain now, that in 2025, I thought they were going to maybe revisit this right. to see if they wanted to change up the permanent teams on the schedule. I could be, I could be totally misreading that. I, I think I was on vacation at the time I read it. Am I anywhere close to, to write about that? Yeah, you are. No, it's a it's a four year deal, and so they put out the schedules actually today for the next four years. Who everybody's going to have when they get their crossover opponents to those other ten schools, and uh, it goes from twenty three two thousand twenty three to two thousand twenty six. 
those four years. And before the, before it's up, obviously the year before, I think in 25, they will sit down again and say, okay, did this work or did it not work? You know, if, if, you know, again, I, I understand where Florida state fans are coming from. It's still a lot better than it was. I mean, now you're going to get to play Georgia tech and the other schools in the conference every twice, every four years, the way it's been right now, you don't play them for seven years. And so, I mean, that, you know, that, that we love that pit trip when they join the conference and we haven't been able to go back. Uh, you know, that, that, that is going to be changed. Now you'll be going within every four years, you'll be playing home and away with every single school in the conference. So there's no, I think there's no doubt this is a better format. They're only able to do it because now the NCAA doesn't require you to have divisions to play in a championship game. So now the ACC can have a championship game without divisions. Um, so that's why they're doing it. But yeah, in, in, in the next few years, they'll be revisiting it and they could change it up. Miami and Clemson, we know are going to stay there forever because of TV, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, but that third game could end, could change in a few years. I want to make I want to make mention really quickly um, what Mike Alford had to say about this today in the press release. "Quote: Today's announcement is an important change for our conference for several reasons. With the primary being it allows the two best teams to meet in the championship game each season. The new format has advantages in many areas, including the positioning of our top teams. Should the college football playoff expand?" Onward, he went and said that the new format means our season ticket holders will see every ACC team play in Doe Campbell Stadium over a four-year period, to your point, Ira. So uh, he was point, highlighting some of the aspects of this that are good for the fans and good for the student-athletes uh, who could have come here, played football, and never seen certain teams. It's, it's almost like, how do we ever accept this? You know, the, this, the, the way it has been. And I know it just it felt like it had to be, you know, there, it was tough because you had to have the divisions. But it's, it's hard. Like, now you think about it, it's ludicrous that Florida State hasn't played, you know, will go so many years between playing Georgia Tech or playing Pitt or playing some of these other teams. You know, it feels like we never played Georgia, uh, Virginia Tech, ever. Right. Like we used to back in the day, but Virginia Tech-Florida State was kind of a, a burgeoning rivalry for a while, and then it's just like you never see them. One thing I'd say, guys, is uh, I'm looking at some of these schedules for other teams and uh, – once again, Wake Forest is just always on the right side of whenever the ACC does anything. And I mean, I know that I probably spend more time hating on Wake Forest than most other Florida State fans, but their draw is Duke, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech. Are you kidding me? So I looked at their future opponents. In odd years, don't play them, Jeff, in, in gambling, because they will have to, in odd years, uh, 23 and 25, play both Clemson and Florida State. But in the even years, assuming FSU is back on the rise by 2024, they don't have to play Clemson or Florida State, and they do get Duke, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech. So take the over on Wake Forest in 24 and 26, and uh, take the under in 23 and 25. I've crunched the numbers on some of the other teams, but the other thing I, I looked at when reading this release and going to the ACC and looking at everybody's future opponents is I hope by 2025 this is completely moot, and we're in a new existence of college football, and this just gets us to some sort of uh, you know changed system, a tiered system of college football. I'm hoping – there is no news, Ira, in 2025 that there's an extension to this pathway. Right. It, just, it, it almost gave me a little bit of hope in a weird way that I don't think we're going to see the end of this uh, little round-robin 3-3-5 schedule, but maybe that's just the, uh, the ever-optimist in me. Glenn's uh, got the good comment that uh, Sam Hartman's still going to be there in 2026. Uh, you know, that's <laughs> just awesome. But the thing, you know, the thing about Wake it's funny, when we were at the ACC meetings, we were talking to Dave Kloss and Wake Forest, and he and we were talking about the scheduling and who the partners are going to be. And he goes, "Oh, I'm sure they're all lining up to get us." Kind of 
kind of being facetious, kind of be, you know, like everybody wants to play Wake Forest, but heck, you know, the reality is he beat a bunch of them, you know, he, and, and so that, that, that part's always funny. Like we, we laugh about Duke and Wake and Syracuse will be the three easiest teams, but Wake's actually, they got, they know what they are and they're pretty good, man. I'd rather, I'd rather play Syracuse than Wake Forest. Oh, so side, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, by the way, side note, uh, NC State, who we think very highly of this year and who is unfortunately definitely on Florida State's schedule, has never won a division title. It's your last chance, boys. You sorry asses. Never having won a single division title. Bunch of bums. This is it. Better win it this year or else you got no shot to ever win one. Yeah, and speaking of them, that's actually uh, for Clemson. It's not the easiest draw either. Georgia Tech is one of their natural rivals, um, at least historically speaking, and they're right down the road. So they make sure that they honor that group that are right down the road from each other. But Clemson's third team is NC State. So if you're looking for did Florida State get the short end of the stick, I I don't know. Given what NC State is as a program right now, Clemson in the short term has a pretty difficult path as well. Miami's matchup with Virginia Tech is gone, which I found interesting. Well, that that bothered me right off the bat. That sorry, Tom. That was the very first thing I noticed. Besides anything not to do with us, was that why? What? What is that? That's been a good, a fun rivalry for the ACC. There ain't many of them. That that's a good one. Why would you get rid of that? I think that might be a sign that Dan Radakovich is a s- smooth operator. I think he <laughs> uh, might have uh, made sure that that wasn't. Look, I mean, the, the reality is. You know, fans want the best matchups, and the schools want the best matchups to fill seats at their stadiums. But not everybody wants all the toughest opponents. So I could see a scenario where they weren't real thrilled about, you know, there's a chance maybe Virginia Tech gets back to what they were. Um, so I think, there, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces to this whole thing. And um, I just am glad. I, again, I just can't. It's, it's like so hard to believe we had this schedule the way it was where you just go years and years and years without playing teams in your conference. Um, and, and, and I think the other thing Michael Offord said in that statement was that it, you know, it should help the ACC because you, you, you know, you'll have your two best teams playing in the conference championship game, not necessarily, you know, how many years the coastal put nothing, uh, into the championship game. I mean, they put, you know, just cannon fodder out of the coastal. So now you're going to get your true two best teams wherever they're from. I should note that, uh, by the way, that NC State isn't the only sorry sack of you-know-what to never win a division title. Syracuse never has either, and either has Louisville's sorry ass, so they can all get some. They've never won one. They better win it this year. That's it. You don't get a chance to. It's just a chance for me to take shots at people. I'm feeling froggy today. Just hey, just everybody know. Just speaks to my case about keeping the orange, buddy. Keeping the orange. I Give me the orange. I also yeah. have a good. I also have a good friend who lives up there, so I get to see him every couple of years. So I, I might be. I might not be unbiased. I wasn't as mad as everybody else about Syracuse. Yeah. I think if outside of Duke, you can't really draw up a, a better opponent to to affix, and I think that's the freebie that the ACC gave to Florida State. Now I understand too if people are watching, they're like, "Well, be good enough to finish over 500 in the conference before you start talking about the ease of your schedule." Well, I get that. But, you know, the, the goal here is to get better enough to where you start looking at a Syracuse game and you don't go, hmm, are we good enough to win it? Like, that's that's the goal here. And clearly that's what the ACC did in, in giving FSU the orange. want to give David Hale some credit. He noted that based on the conference records, W's and L's of the ACC title game uh, over the last several years, uh, and the same matchup in seven of the last eight years in the ACC title game would have occurred. The only difference would have been 2016. Um Louisville, Virginia Tech would have been the only difference. That that's it. Um, yeah, but so, but you're also 
but theoretically the scheduling is more even now because you're not playing just coastal teams. You know, you might have one decent team in the coastal that's beating a, a bunch of bad teams in the coastal. I mean, there's, you can't tell me that those two divisions were anything close to equitable over yeah. this, you know, these last 15 years. And at the end of the day, if we're being honest as Florida State fans, none of this would have mattered if we can't get off our ass and figure out a way to finish above 500. So here you go. It doesn't matter who you play. If you suck all the time, then, then you, you, know, you don't really have a say. Yeah, my question would be, could they just start this this year? Because given the way the Atlantic looks, could, could they just start this rotation this year? I think it would be more advantageous for FSU, given that they've got like uh, – four 26-plus-year-old quarterbacks they're going against, and the Atlantic just seems to be – if you were doing ACC power rankings one through five, the Atlantic's probably four of them, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Florida State's playing a bunch of quarterbacks, balding, pot bellies, twice divorced, two kids. It's tough. It's tough out here. These guys are savvy. Seminole Headlines, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV continues in a moment. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Seminole Headlines is brought to you by Register Sausage, serving the Florida Panhandle and Lower Alabama for over 75 years. To find a store near you or to buy directly from Registers, head to registermeats.com. That's registermeats.com. Seminole Headlines returns now. Head to YouTube and search for War Chant TV today to catch the show live or on demand. Now, here's Jeff Cameron, Ira Chofel, and Corey Clark. Seminole Headlines rolling on. River, good to be with you. Tom Lang filling in for Corey Clark, who's on vacation in Chicago. Ira is here. I am here. So that is the one exception. We've had moving parts on Seminole. It's the summer. It's the summertime. Uh, you know, I was out of town and then got sick. And uh, we've had we've had the fill-ins. Uh, so this is the way it works. But uh, soon enough, we'll be back in full strength for the, uh, the, the core of us. And we'll be talking about heading off to uh, Charlotte. I'm looking forward to it. There's going to be a lot on the table this year, boys, when we head to Charlotte. Uh, so much it weighs in the importance of this season for Florida State. There's been change now, obviously, to the way the conference does business. And uh, I don't know. There's just a little, little pep in my step as we get set to enter July. I'm excited. The uh, Not to switch gears on you, though, man. You guys had a full show yesterday, right? So you could talk about the link Jared hire and all that. I haven't had that opportunity. Can we talk? Can we talk a little bit more, Jink? Uh, link yeah. Jared first. Then. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to get the schedule stuff out there first, but we have. We've done that. Let's let's go ahead and talk about Link. Uh, what were your takeaways beyond the fact? And by the way, go to Warchant.com. I know you wrote a piece on this. I'm excited about uh, Link for obvious reasons. They got their guy. He was the obvious choice. They didn't waste time. They were very efficient. He said himself, Ira, that. Uh, upon sitting down with FSU's brass, Mike Alford and the like, that he, uh, he knew immediately uh, what he was going to be doing, which means they didn't screw up the negotiation in any way, shape, or form, and they made it very easy for him to say yes. That's exciting. It is also decisive, and I think that they've got a guy who's in a good place to jump in and succeed right away. Yeah, you know, I just – and we were all, you know, again, like this was – it seemed like the natural fit for a few weeks – uh, obviously, the you know when, when when it turned out that Mike Martin Jr. was not going to be retained and he was going to be fired, that 
you know, you look out there and it's like, okay, Link Jarrett's the obvious choice. But the big question everybody had was, could they get him? A, you know, they didn't hire him three years ago, which you didn't know how he felt about that, uh, how that process went. And then B, he, he, his star had certainly risen and he was going to be an expensive proposition. And, uh, you know, and I think the, the pull to his family was a big thing. But I think, you know, really what's impressive is you see so many coaches just chase dollars, you know, and, and, and whatever the biggest job, whatever the biggest job for their career is, whatever the biggest job for their money is. But here's a guy who could have gone to, we believe, Clemson and got more money. We believe could have gone to Southern Cal and got more money. Other schools would have been interested if he went on the open market. And he was like, as soon as Florida State, as soon as he was able to communicate when their season was over and Michael Alford reached out to him and they started talking, it was it. I mean, it was Florida State was the job he wanted. And they've given him a nice contract. It's a great contract. But he didn't just chase the dollars. You know, this is a guy who wants to be here. And, man, in this day of college athletics, I mean, you just don't see that. And so that's that's a cool part of it, too. By the way, really quick, either one of you guys, and we should all talk about this a little bit, he did reference the fact, I mean, in a very kind way, that the facilities have got to be better. I mean, that's a, it was a nice way of admitting, look, we've got work to do. This stadium ain't going to get it done. To the level, the five things that he stressed, you know, he talked about uh, not only obviously being able to recruit and develop players and those kinds of things, um, you know, he knows that, that 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 facility, maintaining that facility, getting that place up to snuff, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but I will translate some of the n- niceties into the direct point that he was making, like, this is a dump. We got to do better. So I wonder how much will they pour into that stadium? And is the plan, it certainly, I took away from yesterday's presser that the plan is not to build a whole new stadium and relocate or anything like that. I think they're just going to put money into that stadium. Yeah, I agree. I think one of his answers, though, because he played it politically pretty well when Aslan mm-hmm. asked him, what did you learn from you know, Notre Dame and that experience that made you a better coach? And he went through the laundry list of how they practiced and how they're basically on an indoor practice facility football field that they've got to split with the softball program, and they've only right. got two hours to practice while the track team is running around them. It's like he, he paints a picture of Notre Dame's athletic situation that sounds like Notre Dame is an FCS school and not a high-level FBS school. I found that interesting, and I think the way he shared that information told me that he was looking forward to being able to share that information and vent a little bit. It was in a press conference setting, but I think the point that he was getting home and driving home was, look, we've been through worse in my tenure at other places where we've had less to work with. So I think he's, he's trying to dance that fine line, which is absolutely Hauser needs a, a whole remodel, but it won't be an excuse for not winning because he was able to get to the College World Series and win in a way in South Bend that they never had, where in some situations he had to complete scrimmages in batting cages. Like, what the hell is that? So uh, I, I think he's playing it both ways, but there's no doubt. Uh, I, that had to have been some part of the discussion and the negotiation before he said yes to Florida State. Yeah, that took me back to the discussions we were having on Seminole Highlight uh, Headlines, Ira, uh, where we were talking about, uh, you know, we thought Link was the obvious choice, of course, because of his connections, but we also thought it wouldn't be as difficult to get him as a lot of this fan base thought because the perception of Notre Dame is that they have endless coffers, and they do. They just don't spend it on baseball, and they never have. And those facilities, having been to that campus, having been to that baseball stadium, having been around there, those facilities suck. 
And so it, that wasn't going to be a hindrance, uh, it didn't seem to me, and it didn't turn out to be. But it doesn't mean you don't have to keep up with the Joneses because you're going to now be recruiting against the SEC and the rest of the ACC. And frankly, almost to a team, every single program that Florida State will seek to out-recruit in the Southeast, SEC and ACC, almost every one of them have a better facility than Florida State. Almost everyone. Yeah, but on top of that, and, and, and again, it's it's like Tom said, it, it felt like maybe Link wanted to get that out there, but I don't know because he's been so complimentary of Notre Dame. He's been so good to them through this process and, and, and feels like he owes a lot to them because they did give him the opportunity to get on the big stage with his first big school as head coach. Um, but I also think, though, the, you know, there are so many things that, that that make that a tough job. And part of its facilities, part of it's the weather. It's the reality. There's a reason Southern schools and Western schools win the College World Series. And you don't get a lot of Northern teams uh, or Midwestern teams really making big runs in there. Part of it's they play – I mean, I think – I think Notre Dame, the first three weeks of the three or four weeks of their schedule, they have to play on the road. They can't even play a home game. Their stadium, as he said, seats eighteen hundred. So I think it's a it's a, a balance when he's talking publicly. You don't want to be if you're gonna if you're gonna preach to your players that excuses don't matter, get the job done. We don't ask why things we just we just have to get the job done, then you can't then also be the coach who's constantly whining about what you don't have in terms of infrastructure and facilities, I think those conversations are held behind closed doors. So yeah, Jeff, I agree with you. I think there's no doubt he's gotten some assurances that there's a commitment there, but I also don't know that they needed that to make for Link. I mean, I think the fact that they went out and got Link Jarrett speaks to the commitment Florida State wants to make. I think Florida State is serious. This administration is serious about putting more money into athletics and then trying to make it up on the back end and not worrying about being fiscally conservative. This is another piece of evidence towards that end, Ira. You're absolutely right. This is another reason the reason that Florida State fans are beginning to allow themselves to dream again. We're getting out from under. Florida State is getting out from under the Willie Taggart money after this year. They know that. They're beginning to put money back in. I think they understand that you're going to have to spend to win. You're going to have to – now, listen, can you do it to the same degree as certain other schools? No, that, that, that's not going to happen. But you're also not completely strapped is the point. And, and certainly the talking points, and rightfully so, when you had a stretch where you had three coaches in four years, uh, you understood that they were up against it financially. And, in fact, your interim athletic director was tasked with the responsibility of getting a hold of that situation financially. So now that you're coming out of that, it's just exciting to know – that you're seeing evidence of it, concrete evidence that they're spending money, that they're, they're, they're willing to give money towards things that they know will improve the product. Now, obviously, that the next big step is to do it with the moneymaker, which is, which is football. Yeah, one thing I'll be interested to see is, you know, remember that rendering that they did, I think it was three, four years ago, when they showed that they were going to continue down the left field line and, and extend the grandstand, and then they were going to give an awning over the bleachers and right, and then there were going to be propped up seats somehow. I don't know. It's a very narrow area down the right field fence on the big wall. I wonder if they're going to return to something like that or if Link has his own ideas of, of how to optimize the experience. I think he does. Oh, well, I, love, I, I love the fact that I love the fact that he's like, uh, they're like, oh, hey, but we're redoing the field. And he's like, whoa, whoa can you stop? Yeah, let me do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's definitely an indicator that he has an idea of how he wants the uh, underling uh, underbelly of the uh, 
of the stadium to work, certainly for the players' uh, side of things. But I wonder if he's got ideas on the fan experience and, and how to best make the stadium look. But that was a project that I thought they were fundraising for and, and moving towards. It kind of, I think COVID killed it, uh, unfortunately, with the momentum for the financial stuff there. But I wonder if they're going to return to something like that or if it's going to be completely different. But I would imagine that some sort of announcement, I, I know they set up a hyperlink to a website for fundraising, but visual evidence and renderings, I wonder if that's yeah. going to be in the near future as well. Yeah, the first fundraising campaign, actually, Tom, was to get the padding. And they, <laughs> they got the padding, so Jeff's happy. Woo! <laughs> Well, you remember, I, I wore myself out many years ago with my personal efforts to get the scoreboard yes. changed from pink to garnet. Uh, it had faded over the years. And so I, I waged a one-man campaign on the Jeff Cameron show for about two years. And then one day, and it brought a tear to my eye. I'll never forget, Eric Luell took a picture of the fresh coat of paint going on the scoreboard, and I got a little weepy. Felt very good about my efforts. Uh, and then you're right, Ira. We, they, they then, several years later, decided to put new padding in. So I really don't know <laughs> that they need to do much else. So, so they, uh, um, yeah, they, from, from our standpoint, if they could just get a squeegee, they'll leave a squeegee in that stairwell. So that I'll, when the post- yeah, I'll, I'll do it when we go over to watch practice. <laughs> I'll squeegee it up, guys. Uh, um, it's a safety hazard for us in the press. Many of us are past our prime. Uh, the city of water is no good for anybody. Uh, um, the rust is sure to be an infection on an open wound soon enough. Uh, so I would say to your, to your question, Tom, um, yeah, I do think they are going to, they are working on a, a plan. It's funny. Michael Offer pointed out that, you know, in his desk, when he became the AD, he found like three separate proposals like that. The one you mentioned from a few years ago, which was part of that hundred million dollar campaign that they did, um, that there's been three different proposals slash plans that just never have been executed for one reason or another. And so, yeah, that is their plan. I think I do think Link's going to be fully involved. I mean, I think, again, the impression I get from him is he's more of a CEO than he is just a baseball, like a ball coach. You know, to me, like, there's different – Jimbo's a ball coach. Now, he wanted to, like, have input on big picture stuff, but he wasn't going to get specific. He would tell you if, it, if he didn't like it. Oh, yeah, he, make you start over even, Ira, if you recall. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think Link's the kind of guy – I think he's going to – Man, I don't know him. I've talked to him one time, but I think he's going to be more involved in that and, and make sure that they're doing what he wants. Um, but I also think, you know, when you look at the the their their needs, I mean, it's 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 top to bottom. That stadium is there's parts of that stadium that people don't see that they don't realize how bad they are underneath the stadium. Um, you know, there's they don't have like a dining area. The kids eat their meals at their lockers. I mean, there's just there's so many parts to it that are not, and then compare it to, not even compare it to the best of the best, but just compare it to the other quality teams in college baseball. It has to get so much better. So, yeah, I think there's going to be rendering soon. I think there's going to be an announcement soon for a, fun, a campaign. And maybe because of all this excitement about Link Jarrett, people will step up. You know those ladders you can get? You see them on QVC, that famous footage of the guy falling off the QVC ladder, which is my mm-hmm. favorite video ever, besides the grape lady falling. Um, when, when, if you can get the ladder... I just want somebody to once a week maybe get one of those ladders and let's dust off the fans. Let's get some dust off those fans. I mean, that that thing, that's like a nest for dead birds that has been sitting there for years. It's just like crazy. You can see the, the huge pockets of dust just hanging down from those fans. It really is unsightly. Can somebody, we start with that? Somebody told me a story 
that there's a fan that sits, there's a, a season ticket holder who sits in the, in the front, you know, the, in the main part of the grandstand who has been a season ticket for year, holder for years. And every year, the first game of the season, he brings a little wrench because he know by the end of the season, by the end of the year, one of the nuts like starts gonna, getting loose. He's got to tidy that thing up. He, he brings his own wrench once a year <laughs> to tidy it up. I didn't hear that story directly, but I heard from somebody at the school. So uh, it just gives you an idea of what we're working with. It's nice to see that we have a season ticket holder that's been there that long, hasn't been poisoned by asbestos. <laughs> it's good to know that, you know, we, we've got some people that have seen through these lean times. Yeah, but that also is evidence that how many times have they asked for assistance and there was no <laughs> assistance. Like, the hell with this. I'm bringing my own wrench. Like, is how that long? five times, ten times? How many times do we have to ask for help? How many times on a show that is fairly well listened to have we talked about the damn sitting water? It never goes anywhere. It's there right now. I guarantee it. If I got in my car after today's show and drove over to Hauser, it's just sitting water. There's all kinds of new life forms in there. There's You can do experiments. It's unbelievable. It's just all up and down those steps. It's unreal. It's a By the way, task. somebody mentioned it in the chat, and I like that they did. And I think this would be a fine idea, along with many other improvements. If you go, if you have the foul poles, just be giant sausages that <laughs> register sausages, just two giant sausages sitting. How great would be? Then you can help fund all of these changes we're looking forward to. You're like, oh, that's off the sausage. How that much? Would be do you, great. How much do you think Ben's off the sausage? How much do you think Ben would have to pay? to get just sausages as apples. I think that A, would be unique to Tallahassee, and B, I think it would be hilarious if you saw it heading towards the sausage. Think of the play-by-play call. Think of the joy. I think also if the home team hits one off of the sausage, there has to be a sound that goes throughout the stadium and goes, dong, and then <laughs> just go, yes. What? What if it was such an advanced sausage oh, that it man. shook when you hit it? And it got the sausage that began to shake as it got hit by a ball. You'd spend the whole game hoping somebody ripped a ball off the sausage. You'd be like, please, let it today be the day. You know how sometimes you go to a game and you hope there's a no-hitter because you've never sat there for one? Like, today has to be the day somebody hits the sausage, please. I want to see the sausage shake. Imagine if one player hits both dongs at the same – hits two dongs <laughs> – in the, same, in the same game. We would all just run out of the stadium. <laughs> we would all just run out of the stadium with our hands in the air. Like, this is the greatest day in baseball history. I don't care if we ever win a national title. I saw both sausage get donged. <laughs> well, you remember that was Double Dong Friday. Double dong. Oh, we'd have the – You're 2023. What a day it was. I remember where I was. <laughs> That'd be the – We'd have shirts with dates. Double Dong Friday, I'll never forget. Virginia Tech was in town. Both teams were ranked. Little did we know as we entered Hauser and avoided the puddles that we would see Double Dong <laughs> on the same night. <laughs> Both dongs shaking as the ball rocks off the top. It'd be great. I think on that note, I don't know if you got to play five minutes worth of music we should <laughs> We can get it together. We can get it together. That's uh, that's at this point, it's a three segment hour for sure. Yeah, there's a minute and a half left. So let me ask this What's it going to take to get students in there with cheap beer and they could throw you know beer to the sky when we hit home runs? That's got to be on the list, but that's got to be on the list. They've got to integrate the students into this thing. 
So Ole Miss just won the national title, and if you go and watch, you know, any of these games, uh, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, a lot of the SEC venues, uh, you'll see that kind of celebratory um, environment that you're talking about. And part of that is enticing students to games where they have cool seating in areas where they're allowed to bring in their coolers, and they party, and they have their cheap beer. I, I think there's something to that. I, I would love to see it. Uh, you need to make this appointment viewing for, for students. Yeah, it, it would be awesome. Well, I thought, you know, all so many of the super regionals, again, man, like we've talked about this yep. a lot over the last few years, that college baseball, you know, once they took the, you know, they took the bats back down to where they're, it's more like real baseball um, and the scoring went down and the, the pace of play is so slow. And it just, and then I think partly also because Florida State baseball has not been exciting, yeah. that it's been, there hasn't been as much fun about it. But I felt like these super regionals, in a lot of those stadiums, Tennessee and some of those stadiums where, man, it, it was a circus in the stands. And it was – I don't know that they can ever figure out a way to make that happen. Um, but, man, it would be cool to have that environment for college baseball season. And, and, you know, Florida State always had a great home environment. It's just been tempered, you know, over the last several years. Yeah, yeah. First things first, just get a lot better at playing baseball, and then I think you'll begin to woo some people back. And and that's where, all jokes aside, we, we, we hope to see this thing go in a hurry. Hour number two, headliner questions forthcoming. Stay with us. We'll get to them momentarily. 